What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to this Feel Good Friday episode of the JT Sports Podcast, aka JT Sports Live. Got a really exciting episode for you guys. As a matter of fact, this is the most excited that I've ever been for an episode ever. We're going to be discussing why this is a make or break season for Justin Fields. If Sean Payton's able to fix Russell Wilson, how good are the Denver Broncos going to be? Tua Tagovailoa, a lot of Dolphins fans always ask the question, why does Tua get so much hate? I'm going to be explaining why. And lastly, why I believe Jameer Gibbs and B. John Robinson will be able to save the running back position. Before we get into it, if you haven't already, make sure that you go ahead Leave a like and subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen to the audio version of this episode available on all podcasting platforms. The JT Sports Podcast just isn't available on YouTube. You can find us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure to give us a five-star review, please, please. I'm begging you guys, give us a five-star review if you enjoy the podcast. We are trying to get to 100 five-star reviews before the season begins. All you got to do is go to whichever podcasting platform that you use, type in the JT Sports Podcast, and it will pop up. Or you can go down to the description down below, scroll down a little bit, and you will see the links to the Apple and Spotify versions of the podcast. Leave us with a five-star review. It's a free way to support the channel. You don't got to pay anything. It only takes three seconds to do. The fate of the Chicago Bears' upcoming season is largely going to lie on the shoulders of Justin Fields. And... He has no more excuses. There were a good amount of people who going into this offseason felt like the Chicago Bears should have drafted Bryce Younger, CJ Stroud, number one overall, and they should have traded Justin Fields. Now, I felt like that was a lot of ludicrous, but if Justin Fields struggles this season, then it kind of seems like those people who felt like Justin Fields should have been traded are going to be proven right. But the majority of people out there expect Justin Fields to take a ginormous leap this year. And there's no reason why he shouldn't because all of the issues that held back Justin Fields and the Bears offense last year, they improved. He didn't have a good offensive line. They improved the offensive line. They drafted offensive tackle Darnell Wright in the first round of this past year's NFL draft. They signed offensive guard Nate Davis. You got... Tevin Jenkins, they had a really good left tackle as a rookie last year. So this offensive line, it may not be the greatest, but it should be way better this season compared to last year. You finally gave Justin Fields a proven number one wide receiver going out and trading for DJ Moore when you gifted the Carolina Panthers the number one overall pick in that trade. You're going to have Darnell Mooney coming back fully healthy. We don't know how good the slot receiver position is going to be. It's either going to be Chase Claypool or somebody else, but this is a way better team that Justin Fields has around him this season compared to last year, and this should be a really good defense. You had a lot of talented young players on this defense last year. Matt Eberflus is a defensive-minded head coach, so this defense should be way better this year compared to last year. 
Justin Fields has everything necessary for him to get the Chicago Bears to the playoffs this year. And how far they go this season is largely going to depend on how he performs. And Justin Fields was not bad last year. I'm a little bit puzzled that people who watch the Chicago Bears, at least people who allegedly watched the Chicago Bears last year, watch Justin Fields play and make it seem like this guy wasn't that good and he was a scrub. In the majority of the games that Justin Fields played in when he was snapping, they were all decided by one possession. You remember the first time Justin Fields played against the Detroit Lions? They had no answer for this dude. And if Justin Fields ends up making the strides and improvement that many people expect him to make, Justin Fields not only is going to have a MVP caliber season, but the Chicago Bears are going to be one of the best teams in the NFC. I know that's a really bold statement. That's a really bold prediction. They're in a really competitive division. But when you have a quarterback that ends up reaching a superstar level, that's how good your team can become. Look at how good Trevor Lawrence was last year, and look how good Jacksonville was. They end up winning their division. The Detroit Lions, they have a really good team, but when you have a superstar quarterback, it just takes your team to a completely different level. And I've even heard many people suggest that Justin Fields could have a similar leap and improvement to what Jalen Hurts had last year back in 2022. Justin Fields, he doesn't have to go against one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. The Chicago Bears only played four teams this season that went to the playoffs last year. One of those teams includes the Tim Bay Buccaneers, who probably aren't going to be all that good this year. And I know that strength of schedule in the offseason isn't really a good metric to go by, but I think the Chicago Bears have a pretty manageable schedule. They don't play too many tough teams and too many teams that should give them a lot of problems. And if Justin Fields ends up balling out this league this year, I don't see no reason why the Chicago why the Chicago Bears shouldn't be able to win the NFC North this season. The Minnesota Vikings, they got Kirk Cousins. I think that you kind of handicapped when you have Kirk Cousins at QB as opposed to when you have Justin Fields, who if he ends up reaching that superstar level, without a doubt, he'll be the best QB in this division. Justin Fields is going to make or break the Chicago Bears this season. If he balls out, this is going to be amongst the best teams in this conference. And if he struggles this year and he's not consistent and he's inconsistent as a passer like how he was last season, then Chicago Bears most likely are not going to be able to make it to the postseason. They do have a solid team, but this team isn't going to be good enough to support a struggling quarterback. Now, do I believe Justin Fields is going to struggle? Absolutely not. He's my favorite player in the NFL right now, simply for the fact that he carried my fantasy football team on his back last year. And you look at the pieces that he has around him this year, he has way more to work with compared to last year. Last year, once Darnell Mooney got hurt, he was throwing to guys such as Dante Pettis, Equinamius St. Brown. Anytime those guys are your number one options, you're in a lot of trouble. And I'm not trying to say those guys are bums or scrubs or anything like that, but Dante Pettis and Equinemius St. Brown, they probably wouldn't be starters on the majority of NFL teams going into this year. I believe 
and their offensive coordinator, Luke Getzey. He did a really good job at tailoring this offense around Justin Fields. Chicago should be able to do way more in the passing game. I keep hearing this narrative about Justin Fields was so bad as a passer that the Chicago Bears didn't want to give him opportunities to throw the football. That's false. The reason why Justin Fields didn't have a lot of opportunities to throw the football last year and why the Chicago Bears ranked amongst the worst in passing attempts last year and passing offense was because first of all he had a bad offensive line he was running for his life and he had a terrible group of wide receivers Darnell Mooney went down they traded for Chase Claypool but what did he do absolutely nothing so of course the Chicago Bears were going to throw the football less and they were going to put more emphasis on the run game because that's what the strength of their team was running the football with Justin Fields and the good duo of running backs that they had last year David Montgomery's gone but you still do have Khalil Herbert you got Rashawn Johnson who many people were a big fan of coming out of this year's draft out of Texas Deontay Foreman so there's talent in the backfield if Justin Fields ends up struggling this year, the people who were saying that he should have been traded at the start of this offseason, the Bears should have taken a quarterback in this year's draft number one overall, they're going to be proven right. But if this man ends up balling out and snapping like how many people, myself included, believe that he will, I think the Bears are going to be a force to be reckoned with in this conference and I think they probably will end up winning this division despite how good the Detroit Lions are when you just got a good team and a very good quarterback it's very hard to deny them winning their division and Justin Fields he is a pretty good deep ball thrower when he's on he's on not only can he kill you with his legs but he also could end up being a fantastic passer with the addition of DJ Moore who's been one of the more underrated receivers in the game he has great hands he's a fantastic route runner not too many people know how good DJ Moore has been because he's been playing in the and Carolina, and Carolina hasn't really given him good quarterbacks. You probably could make the argument and say that Justin Fields is the best quarterback that DJ Moore has ever played with up to this point of his career. Justin Fields' performance this season is going to make or break the Chicago Bears in 2023. How he performs is going to greatly determine how far the Bears go this season, if they go anywhere at all. Now, the Denver Broncos had high expectations last year going into the 2022 season. There were many people in the national media who picked this team to win the AFC, make it to the Super Bowl. They were expecting Russell Wilson to have a fantastic season and everything that could have went wrong, went wrong, and then some. And like I said, they made an all-time big mistake when they traded for Russell Wilson and gave him that hefty contract, and it was going to take an all-time great head coach to fix this mistake, and you have Sean Payton. And if Sean Payton is able to fix Russell Wilson, how good will the Denver Broncos be this season? If Sean Payton can get Russell Wilson playing back to the level that he was when he was playing for the Seahawks, how far can the Denver Broncos go this season? And they don't even need Russell Wilson to revert back to his old form. They just need Russell Wilson to be 80% of what he used to be. If Russell Wilson can end up bouncing back this year, are the Denver Broncos Super Bowl contenders? Or are they a playoff team? Or are they even capable of making it to the playoffs at all? They had a lot of injuries last year. 
The offensive line was not good. Russell Wilson was the most sad quarterback in the NFL last year. They revamped the offensive line. They signed offensive guard Ben Powers. They brought in offensive tackle Mike McGlinchey, who was a pretty solid starter at that tackle position. And this receiving core is still amongst the best in the NFL. You got Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. He got injured. You got Cortland Sutton. You got a really good receiver that you drafted out of Oklahoma. And this tight end group is really good. And Sean Payton, remember what he did his final season in New Orleans. He went 9-8 with several different quarterbacks. So imagine what he can do with Russell Wilson at least playing at 80% of what he used to be. And Russell Wilson still has it in him. I saw a couple of games last year when Russell Wilson had some vintage moments when he was rolling outside the pocket and finding guys open downfield. He had a really good performance the final game of the regular season against the Los Angeles Chargers. And I don't think Russell Wilson has completely fallen off the cliff. You also got to remember when you play for a bad head coach, he's going to bring down the performance of the whole entire team. With the offensive mind and Sean Payton, who's regarded as one of the best to ever coach this game on that side of the football, he's going to be able to elevate Russell Wilson's play. And if the Denver Broncos can get Russell Wilson playing at a solid or at least a high level this year, this is a team that potentially not only could make it to the playoffs, but they also are capable of being able to make a deep playoff run. People forget that this team was a lot of people's Super Bowl favorites for a reason. They still have a really talented roster. They lost a couple of guys in free agency, such as Draymond Jones, which is going to be a huge loss. The interior of their defensive line is probably going to be a big question mark that many people have going into this season for Denver. But outside of that, this is a really talented team. And in terms of where they're going to rank in the division... I think they're going to finish second behind Kansas City. Sean Payton is a way better coach than Brandon Staley. And Josh McDaniels? Come on, man. The Raiders are probably going to be in the conversation for getting Kayla Williams. The Denver Broncos, if Russell Wilson is able to get fixed up and retooled and rebuilt by Sean Payton, this without a doubt should be a playoff team. And they potentially could be a dark horse Super Bowl contender if Russell Wilson plays even better. You got Javante Williams come back, coming back. He was hurt last year. This defense, you still got Patrick Sertan amongst the best cornerbacks in the league. You got a really good secondary playing alongside of him. You got Vance Joseph as your defensive coordinator, one of the more respected DCs in the game. And Sean Payton has assembled a really good coaching staff. If Russell Wilson bounces back, the Denver Broncos should, without a doubt, be in the playoffs. Now, will they be able to compete for Kansas City in this division? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go that far. They could. I think they got a better shot than the Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders. And the AFC is stacked, but if you have good quarterback play you don't need great quarterback play when you have a head coach like Sean Payton because he's just going to be able to elevate the whole entire team but when you get good QB play you're going to be able to make it far in this conference and the Broncos should be able to get after the quarterback on the defense side of the football those are two of the most important things when it comes to winning in a stacked conference like the AFC is right now you got superstar quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes Justin Herbert and your same division you got to be able to get 
get those guys off the field by being able to get pressure on them. You also have to be able to get good quarterback play that's going to be able to keep you in games. Russell Wilson, I don't think he has to go back to what he used to be when he was playing at an MVP caliber level for the Seattle Seahawks, but I do believe that if they can get 80% of Seattle Russell Wilson, Denver should be a lock for the playoffs. Now, can they be contenders? I think there's a small chance they can be. We forget that not too long ago in the distant past, Although a lot of Broncos fans want to forget it, many of you guys believe that that was going to be the year that you won another Super Bowl. You thought that Russell Wilson was going to be the answer, and he didn't look like the answer last year, which is why you brought in Sean Payton. Sean Payton is getting paid a lot of money to be able to rejuvenate Russell Wilson's career. He is getting up there in age. He's in his 30s. But I don't think he doesn't have anything left in the tank. I just think that him and Nathaniel Hackett weren't a good fit. Russell Wilson wasn't a good fit in Nathaniel Hackett's system. Nathaniel Hackett, he's a solid coordinator, but he's not head coach material. He couldn't manage the clock. He just wasn't good overall when it came to managing late game situations. With Sean Payton, you have an experienced head coach. This is the best head coach that you've had in a very long time. Vic Vangio wasn't really a good head coach. He was a solid defensive coordinator, but he wasn't cut out to be a head coach. And the large reason why Denver has been down so long is because you've whiffed that head coach and you whiffed that quarterback. You bring in Sean Payton, who's going to fix the head coaching problem, and he should be able to get Russell Wilson playing back at a high level. And if you are somebody who's going to play devil's advocate, and you're going to say, JT, how do we know Sean Payton's going to be able to rejuvenate Russell Wilson? I mean, just look what he did his final season in New Orleans. He won nine games with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston had the New Orleans Saints on top of their division. They were 5-1 and one prior to losing to the Tempe Buccaneers in which Jameis went down with a season-ending injury in that game. Prior to that, Jameis Winston had a 14-2 touchdown interception ratio, which was the best in the NFL. Jameis Winston was not only playing his best football, but his most efficient football under Sean Payton. He had also had to start Taysom Hill, Ian Book, Trevor Simeon, and was still finding ways to win games. So if Sean Payton can do what he did in New Orleans during his final season with the Saints, I'm pretty sure he should be able to find a way to fix Russell Wilson. That's why I have so much confidence in Sean Payton's ability because he has a proven track record of being able to generate good offenses and being able to get fantastic quarterback play. Before Drew Brees went to the Saints, he was a cast-off from the, at the time, the San Diego Chargers. And although he was a pro bowler before, people were thinking that Drew Brees was kind of done after that. They didn't think he was going to be a future Hall of Fame quarterback. He probably could have become a good quarterback in many people's eyes back during that time. But if you were to tell many Chargers fans that Drew Brees was going to be a future Hall of Famer, they probably would have laughed in your face like you were crazy. Sean Payton is one of the greatest offensive minds to ever play this game. You don't got to have faith in Russell Wilson, but you definitely should have a lot of faith in Sean Payton and what this man does on the offensive side of the football. The Denver Broncos, if Sean Payton can work his magic and get Russell Wilson playing back to somewhat of the level that he used to be able to deliver, 
I think that Denver ends up making it to the postseason in 2023. And I think that at worst, this should be a team that should be competing for the seventh or sixth seed in the AFC. Miami Dolphins fans always ask the question, why does Tua Tagovailoa get so much hate? The guy has gotten better nearly every single season, and it still seems like he never gets the respect that he deserves. And before Tua Tagovailoa dealt with all those injuries at one point last year, he was an MVP candidate. I know some of y'all may forget that, but he was playing at an MVP level prior to the Miami Dolphins going on that losing streak. And going in to this year, I think Tua Tagovailoa is poised to have another good season like how he did last year. But for you Dolphins fans out there who wonder why Tua gets so much hate from NFL fans on social media and analysts on national television, I'm going to explain to you guys why I believe people hate on Tua and have so much criticism of Tua. And I think the most important part of that question when it comes to answering it has to be the fact that remember who was in his same draft class when he got drafted fifth overall by the Miami Dolphins. Joe Burrow, a.k.a. Joe Burrow, he went number one overall. And then the second quarterback taken off the board, it was Tua. And you know who got drafted the pick right after Tua? It was Justin Herbert. And then in the second round, it was Jalen Hurts. And if you were to ask any non-Dolphins fans, which quarterbacks would they prefer? Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, or Joe Burrow, or Tua Tagovailoa? I'm pretty sure 99.9% of those people with a functioning brain are either taking Burrow, Hurts, or Herbert over Tua Tagovailoa. And Tua Tagovailoa, up to this point, hasn't been as good as those other QBs. And you Dolphins fans can throw all the excuses that you want to for Tua, but you know if you have money on the line right now, you have to pick between Tua and any of those other quarterbacks that I just mentioned that got drafted in that same draft class, you're taking those other QBs. Brian Flores, it's been well reported and well documented that he didn't want Tua. The Dolphins took him anyway. There's a reason for that. So that's one of the reasons why a lot of people criticize Tua. And that's not saying that Tua isn't a good quarterback. He is a really good QB. But the knock on him is that he's not an elite QB. When you take a quarterback in the top five of the draft, you're looking for a franchise-changing quarterback. You're looking for Joe Burrow. You're looking for somebody who can be that man who doesn't need the best team around him who can overcome certain limitations that your offense may have. Joe Burrow in his second season, starting for the Cincinnati Bengals, coming off a season-ending leg injury, took Cincinnati to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he had Jamar Chase and a fantastic group of wide receivers, but he went to the Super Bowl with one of the worst offensive lines to ever make it to the playoffs. He was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL that year. Joe Burrow was sacked 70 times that whole entire season and was still able to get Cincinnati to the Super Bowl. And you can say, well, JT, Joe Burrow had a good coaching staff. Okay, Justin Herbert didn't get a good coaching staff when he got drafted by the Chargers. Anthony Lynn got fired. Justin Herbert is on his third offensive coordinator. So for all of the reasons 
that you can use for why Tua hasn't been able to perform at the level of guys such as Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, those same reasons prove why those guys are elite QBs. Elite QBs are able to overcome certain limitations. They make the guys around them look better than what they are, and they make the guys calling the plays look like a genius. Justin Herbert didn't have Keenan Allen and Mike Al and Mike Williams all last season. Both of those guys missed significant time with injury last year. For Tua Tagovailoa, a lot of Dolphins fans make it seem like he needs everything to go right for him to be successful, which proves why Tua is a good QB and not an elite QB. Elite QBs are able to overcome weaknesses and limitations that they may have to deal with on offense. That's why they get drafted high. And for Tua up to this point, he hasn't been as good as Joe Burrow or Tua. He hasn't even been good as Jalen Hurts. And you can say Jalen Hurts has a better situation, which I agree with that. I think it is fair to say that Jalen Hurts still has a little bit more that he has to prove. But when you look at Justin Herbert, I mean, this dude carried the Chargers to the postseason with no run game and a bad offensive line that dealt with a lot of injuries and the offensive coordinator that was holding him back with his conservative offense. So that's one of the reasons and probably the biggest reasons why Tua Tagovailoa gets the hate that he does. Another one is that he's not as talented as the quarterbacks who were drafted in the same draft class as him. He doesn't have the strength of an arm that Justin Herbert has. He's not even as good as an athlete as Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, or Joe Burrow are. So he's a limited athlete, does have a strong arm. So that's also a reason why people criticize and hate on Tua. Every time Tua's throwing a deep ball on social media, there's a lot of people that always go to the comment section and say, oh, he underthrew it. Even when he put the pass right on the money, people will still say that he underthrew it, which tells you that a lot of people don't really watch football. They just go with whatever, whatever narrative the media throws out there. They just run with it. That's Tua. And also Tua is unable to stay healthy, which may be the second biggest reason why Tua gets so much hate. You're a franchise quarterback. You got to be on the field to be able to produce and help your team win. When you're not on the field, your team is at a disadvantage. So when you look at the three biggest reasons why Tua Tagovailoa gets a lot of hate, first one, he was drafted in the same draft class as Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts, and he got drafted above Jalen and Justin Herbert. I'm pretty sure most people believe that Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts are better quarterbacks than what Tua is right now. And that's not a knock on Tua saying that he's a bad QB. He is a really good QB. He's just not an elite QB like a Justin Herbert or even a Jalen Hurts is. And if you want to say that Jalen Hurts still hasn't proven that he's an elite QB, you need another good season of what he did last year. I can understand that. But you still can't deny the fact that Jalen Hurts right now looks like a better QB than Tua when you watch the film. It's not like Tua didn't have a great group of receivers. He may not have had the offensive line, but if you put Jalen Hurts with how he played last year and replace a Tua Tagovailoa, I don't really think there's a big drop-off in production because of Jalen Hurts' ability to extend plays 
and also pick up a lot of yards with his legs. So that still goes to another reason why people criticize Tua, which was my second point of he's not as talented as Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Jalen Hurts. Joe Burrow isn't the most athletically gifted guy neither, but when Joe Burrow decided to get outside the pocket and run last year, he had some damn good runs. I haven't seen Tua had as many runs as what Joe Burrow had last year. Joe Burrow had a run against Kansas City in the postseason last year when he did a damn spin move. He did a damn spin move and picked up, what, 10, 15 yards to move the chains? Like, Joe Burrow is a way better athlete than what a lot of people give him credit for. He has the ability to get outside the pocket, extend plays, store on the run, and also pick up yardage with his legs. Same thing with Justin Herbert. Tua doesn't really have that. His game really isn't built on improvisation. It's built on being able to be able to get the ball out fast, being a quick processor, and being really accurate. So this segment isn't me hating on Tua, but it really is me explaining why Tua gets so much hate. This is me giving you guys reasons for why people criticize Tua constantly on social media and don't really give him a fair amount of respect. I do think that Tua played at a really high level. He was a MVP candidate at one point last year, and people just kind of seem to forget that or just throw that out the window because the Dolphins entered a rough stretch of the season where they struggled. They struggled against San Fran, the LA Chargers, and you can use concussions and the bad offensive line as a reason for that all you want to and the team not playing good. But at the end of the day, he was a top five pick. He was drafted ahead of Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts. He's always going to be compared to those quarterbacks. And if he doesn't end up having the level of success as those QBs, people are always going to continue to criticize Tua Tagovailoa. People are always going to let the Miami Dolphins know that they picked Tua over two quarterbacks that were better than him. And if Jalen Hurts ends up having another great season, that's going to continue to make Tua look a little bit bad in a lot of people's eyes in the national media and for the people who have all those Twitter fingers on Twitter. And imagine if Jordan Love ends up being good. Imagine if Jordan Love balls out for Green Bay this year and he has a better season than Tua. That's going to be another knock on Tua Tagovailoa because the rumors say that Brian Flores wanted to drive Jordan Love instead of Tua. So if Jordan Love ends up balling out, then people are going to be proven even more right. And even if Tua has a good season, he's still not going to get a fair level of respect until he's able to play at the level that Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Jalen Hurts are playing at right now. Tua has to get himself in that top five quarterback, top six, top seven conversation where he is viewed as an elite quarterback. And I'm not saying that Tua isn't a good QB. He's a very good QB. You can definitely win with Tua. And I definitely believe that Tua is a top 10 QB. But to get in that elite quarterback conversation, you got to be a premier QB. You have to be a top five, top six quarterback right now. And most of the quarterbacks I just named are arguably the best QBs in their division. Justin Herbert, he gets a little bit of a pass because he's playing against Patrick Mahomes the greatest QB of our generation right now. 
Joe Burrow's the best QB in the AFC North. He's the second best quarterback in the NFL in most people's eyes. And Jalen Hurts is the best quarterback in the NFC East. To attack Valoa, where does he rank amongst quarterbacks in his division? Third, behind Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers. So when you're asking yourself why Tua Tagovailoa gets so much hate, you got to look at the quarterbacks who were drafted in his draft class, who he was drafted ahead of, and how those guys have performed up to that point, or up to this point. And so far, Tua hasn't been on the level of Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Jalen Hurts, who he was drafted ahead of. And that's why a lot of people slander and criticize Tua Tagovailoa at a kind of relentless rate. And people in the national media are always going to talk about it. There always are going to be comparisons of Tua to the rest of the quarterbacks and his peers. Now, if Tua ends up winning the Super Bowl, then that's probably going to change. People are always going to show respect to a first-round pick who delivers and wins a championship because you're a first-round pick. You're a first-round pick for a reason. But so far for Tua, he just has had bad luck. If he came out of last year's quarterback class, he would be the best quarterback from that class. Any other quarterback class that didn't really have too many QBs, Tua would be viewed in a way better light compared to what he is now coming out of that 2022 NFL draft with Herbert, Burrow, and Hurts. He's always going to get compared to those guys. You're always going to get compared to your peers. And nobody cares about the situation. That's why I keep trying to tell you Dolphins fans, like, nobody's going to feel bad for Tua. You can try to justify why Tua isn't as good as those guys. But if somebody was to come up to you today and ask, hey, would you rather have Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, or remain with Tua as your starting QB, you're going to take those other three QBs over to a talk with Lord. And you can come down to the comment section and lie to me all you want to, but you're lying to yourself and you're lying to everybody else because everybody knows that Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow are better QBs right now, more talented quarterbacks than what Tua Tagovailoa is. The running back position has started to lose a lot of value over the last couple of years. It's not what it used to be viewed as. Running backs used to be the class of the NFL. They used to be viewed as a really big piece, the championship team. And now you got guys like Dalvin Cook getting cut, who was one of the best running backs in the NFL last year, still one of the best running backs in the NFL. Saquon Barkley can't get paid despite being arguably the most talented running back in the league. And Josh Jacobs led the NFL rushing with 1,600 yards, and he's still struggling to come to terms on a new contract with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, why has the running back position decreased in value over the years? Well, it's simple. You got a short shelf life at that position. Once you pay a running back, they kind of start to go down in production. Look at what happened to Ezekiel Elliott. The Dallas Cowboys gave him all that money, and then he ended up falling off fairly quickly. Le'Veon Bell got a massive contract to New York Jets. And right after that, he became an average running back, below average running back. And he's been bouncing around the NFL ever since. And you can find a good running back easily, not even in the first round. You can find a good quality running back in the third, fourth, fifth, 
And even in the seventh round, Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh round pick. And he was better than Clyde Erezy Lair last year, who was a first rounder. Clyde Erezy Lair has been a bust up to this point in his career. And he got outplayed by a seventh round pick. Same thing with James Robinson. The year Leonard Fournette got cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars, James Robinson was an undrafted rookie free agent. He ended up having a really good rookie season. That just shows you how easily replaceable the running back position is. But when you look at B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, I think they're going to be able to bring value back to the running back position. And why do I feel that way? Well, these are two of the most talented running backs that have entered the NFL in the last couple of years. There's a reason why they were the first two running backs to be drafted in the first 12 picks of a draft since 2017 when Fernand and Chris McCaffrey got drafted. B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, they're not your traditional halfback. They are truly a weapon. You can line them out wide at receiver because they're good enough to be as good as a wide receiver three. They have very fantastic route running. And then if you want to use them still at the running back position and have them catching passes out of the backfield, they're going to be too hard for linebackers to cover because they're route running and as good as a wide receiver two. B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, they train with Gold Feet Gold Global down in South Florida. Gold Feet Global is one of the best receiver coaches that most receivers train with during the offseason. And when you look at what B. John Robinson did at Texas, this dude was a monster. He was damn near Texas' whole offense in certain games. And you look at Jameer Gibbs, how explosive he is. He's one of the fastest running backs in the game. You put that out in the slot? I don't think there's going to be too many defensive backs that are going to be able to slow him down with how good of a route runner he is. Same thing with B. John Robinson. It's just that in today's NFL... If you're trying to be a running back that lasts long in a league, you have to not only be able to stay healthy, but you got to be able to do more different things than guys like Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. You have to be able to have a tremendous impact on the passing game. It's a passing league. People say that over and over again. You don't need to have an elite running back to win the Super Bowl. Kansas City just proved that. They won with Isaiah Pacheco, who was a seven-round pick. If you can't have a big impact on the passing game, you're going to be viewed as easily replaceable. Christian McCaffrey. Leonard Fournette was drafted in his same draft class. Leonard Fournette is still a free agent. Christian McCaffrey is the highest-paid running back in the league. You want to know why? Because Christian McCaffrey is a weapon. If the 49ers didn't trade for Christian McCaffrey last year, do you guys think they go as far as what they did last season? I don't think so. When Christian McCaffrey is healthy, he's the best running back in the NFL. You want to know why? Not just because he's good as a runner, but he also brings tremendous value to your passing game. That's what B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs brings with their new teams. Atlanta has already been playing around with B. John Robinson, lining him out wide. Same thing with Jameer Gibbs. He's been playing a little bit of receiver throughout minicamp and OTAs for the Lions. So if you're a running back in today's NFL and you can't 
be effective in the passing game, then your value diminishes and you're easily replaceable versus somebody who can do a boatload of things. These were two of the best running backs coming out of this past year's draft class, not just because they were good runners, but also because of what they bring to your passing game. You line B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs in the slot, and they're a huge threat because these guys after the catch are going to be hard to bring down. You're going to have defensive backs such as cornerbacks and safeties trying to tackle B. John Robinson and the open field. Yeah, good luck with that. Same thing with Jameer Gibbs, elusive with elite acceleration. And look at some of the guys in the NFL that are getting paid really, really well at running back. Austin Eckler, he's struggling to get a deal. Even though he's a really good pass catcher, he's not as good as a true running back. You look at Alvin Kamara, outside of Chris McCaffrey and Saquon, he's probably up there in that same discussion. Alvin Kamara is a weapon. Not only is he a good running back, but he's also really good when it comes to catching the ball out of the backfield. B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, it's going to be hard to game plan for these guys because how are you going to guard them? You're not going to put a linebacker on them because a linebacker isn't going to be able to guard B. John or Jameer Gibbs. They, there aren't too many linebackers in today's NFL that have the coverage ability to guard a B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs when you look at how polished these guys are as route runners at the running back position. And then you can line these guys up at receiver and then find ways to get them the ball in space. Defensive backs are not that great at tackling anymore. It's not the 90s and early 2000s when you had cornerbacks who could come down and lay the wood on somebody. These cornerbacks now, they don't want to get dirty. They don't want to get down and gritty and want to start trying to tackle folks. They're ankle biters. They're ankle tacklers. They're shoestring tacklers. That's why B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs got drafted in the first round. These guys bring a different element in the passing game than your traditional running back. And they also have elite athleticism. They have great athletic ability. This is what you need to have if you're trying to be one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL. And if you're trying to have longevity. Yeah, the running back position just traditionally and naturally is going to have a short shelf life because you're getting brought down and you're getting busted up by 300 and 350 pound defensive tackles. But at the end of the day, though, you're still going to be good enough to get paid even if you don't have a long lifespan. We know running backs can't play 15, 20 years in the league. We understand that. But they can at least last eight, nine seasons where they get paid a pretty good contract. B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, if they end up not being bust and they end up becoming two of the best running backs in the NFL, they're going to change how many NFL teams evaluate running backs. If you can catch the football out of the backfield and you have really good route running ability that allows you to be aligned or put out wide at receiver, you bring more to the offense versus a guy like Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb who only brings you good value as a pure running back. It's a passing league. Running backs have to get better when it comes to having a better impact on the run game. Even if you're not a great pass blocker, if you're a good pass catcher, you're still going to remain on the field. I got a homeboy who plays for FAU. I've been telling him for the longest to not just focus on being a good running back, but also try to 
and prove yourself as receiver be a running back that can never be put in a situation that has to be taken off the field be a running back that's hard to replace it's hard to replace a b john and a jameer gibbs because they're not just running backs they truly are weapons that's why alvin Kamara is still one of the highest paid running backs in the league that's why Christian McCaffrey is the highest paid running back in the league and why Saquon Barkley is struggling to get that kind of money that Christian McCaffrey is getting because first, Saquon can't be healthy and second, Saquon isn't as good as a pass catcher as Chris McCaffrey is. Now, Saquon is a really good pass catcher, but he's not as good as Chris McCaffrey. You see, as a running back in today's NFL, you have to be able to be versatile. And that's what B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs are. That's why they got drafted so high. You got to be a weapon. And if these guys end up succeeding and living up to their first round expectations, many teams are going to start trying to copycat what the Lions and the Falcons did. And they're going to start drafting running backs high in the first round that have the ability to be utilized heavy in the passing game. Not just catching the ball out of the backfield, but also being able to be lined up in the slot or at receiver because they're also good route runners b john robinson and jameer gibbs could potentially change how the running back position is viewed and the kind of running backs that end up getting a lot of attention around draft season based on how they perform yes it's good to have your derrick henry's your nick chubbs your dalvin cooks of the world not taking anything away from those guys they still are the best running backs in the league but the NFL is starting to change. It's a passing league. So therefore, running, running backs have to evolutionize. Just like how the quarterback position has evolutionized. Or evolutionized, however you pronounce it. There was a time ago where the NFL was dominated by pocket passers. You had to get underneath center. And you had to be able to throw the football effectively from inside the pocket. And if you couldn't do that, you were not going to get a shot at QB. Then you have... Your guys like your Randall Cunningham's come along. You have your Slash Stewart's coming along. You got Mike Vick. Then you got Cam who comes from a spread offense. The quarterback position started to change. It started to evolutionize. And that's what's happening to the running back position. The running back position isn't going to become extinct. Like the fullback position, you still are going to need a running back. You can't just have 10 guys on the field, but the NFL is going to start looking for running backs that have similar skill sets like B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, who are gifted catching the football out of the backfield and can play receiver and are good enough to be your wide receiver three, wide receiver two. Le'Veon Bell had a similar skill set, although I don't think it's going to be to the point of B. John and Jameer Gibbs, but he was able to line up at receiver. He was a pretty good route runner where he was playing for Pittsburgh. So when you look at B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, they have the potential to change the running back position. They have the potential to bring the value back to the running back position. The running back position isn't all about just being a great runner anymore. It's not about running through defensive tackles or running over linebackers. Teams want a running back that can not only do that, but can also be used as a receiver that can have a big impact on the passing game. And if B. John and Jameer end up panning out, the NFL is going to start copying what the Falcons and Lions did, and you're going to see more running backs that have this similar kind of skill set getting drafted high in the NFL draft. 
This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you like the video, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Leave a five-star review. Once again, we will greatly appreciate it. We are on the road to 100 five-star reviews. We want to get 100 of those things before the season kicks off on Apple and Spotify. We're available on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you guys get your podcasts from. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in this week. Have a good weekend. And I will see you guys Monday with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.